Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com. We are professional grade. This is how it's always been I'm on the outside looking in Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And Merry Christmas! It's Christmas time! <laughs> it's not Christmas time when we're speaking. No. Because we're speaking in the middle of November. Yeah. But for you, it's the day. It's St. Stephen's Day. Hooray! Merry Christmas, everybody. Don't fall asleep in the roses. Well, maybe do fall asleep oh, in do, the roses. Do. Listen yeah. to this while eating roses. Oh, yeah. Living the dream. For those of you who aren't Irish or possibly British, I don't know if roses are quite such a Christmas thing. Close oh. the water. But... Uh, Roses are a box of delicious chocolates. Oh, yes. They've been trying their best to make them less delicious because they keep taking out some of the nice ones. True, yes. <laughs> but give me a walnut whip, a walnut whirl in a oh, yeah. box of roses. I like the out. orange and strawberry ones. I love the orange ones. Yeah. Not strawberry, but... So it's great going to a house where they don't like them because then it's yeah, like just a tub a... full of the best ones <laughs> and no. it's like, score for me. <laughs> well... Get your boxes of roses ready. <laughs> you might get through a few of them in this very special Christmas episode Woo-hoo. because it is the one, the only, the Potmans of Sweet, Sweet Valley. Valley. Oh, yes. We are back in Saga territory, people. We are. And it is Bruce's ancestors taking centre stage sure this is. time. Oh, yes. Um, so we'll get started with some... Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Karen has just surprised me because... I have the sh- this- Oh my god, sorry. I can't look. I'm going to hide until she starts describing properly. Because <laughs> we have the terrible sort of uh, British edition of it. Yeah, where it's, it's like just a, a photo of the Daniels in. twins yeah. and then just like a photo of a gun. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> Karen, it's printed out. The real thing. I found the good cover. <laughs> so, Karen, can you read out the blurb first? Is there, uh, oh, yes. Or is well, there even a proper cover tagline on this? Not on this one. Not on the kind of the proper good cover. Okay. Um, and there isn't on the front of your No, no, there's either. nothing. So no. we'll just we'll just get straight in Go straight in for this. Let's do it. The Patmans of Sweet Valley. Oh my god. The unforgettable ancestors of Bruce Patman. I mean, some of them are quite forgettable. There's a lot of them. <laughs> oh, some of them are highly forgettable. <laughs> okay. In 1825, 16-year-old Sophie, the Duchess of Edmonton, falls in love with Henry Patman. She's a fucking duchess. A dashing stable, and they're all from aristocracy. Like, let's oh, just... Oh, God, yeah. Every one of them. <laughs> Get that out of the way. Uh, but Sophie's sister, Melanie, has also fallen for Henry, and <gasps> she will do anything to keep them apart. John Patman loses his heart to a London actress too poor to ask for her hand in marriage he swears he'll strike it rich in the oil fields of Texas that's not exactly how that goes down but okay no and also they've skipped one of the most exciting bits true yeah <laughs> they've skipped one of the most exciting Patmans the only decent one the only one good Patman the only good one in the entire family <laughs> uh, oh well we'll get on to him Dr. Cassandra Vanderhorn marries Spencer Light a soldier she meets in a World War II veterans hospital way, sorry her name isn't Va- Vanderhorn is the the guy she marries after him. Oh yeah, that's not her name. 
Good point, actually. Very odd. <laughs> anyway, continue. Uh, Sorry. Anyway, then he returns to the front and Cassandra reaves, receives a telegram bearing terrible news. Oh, what could it be? I know. Marie Vanderhorn breaks off her relationship with Hank Patman when she's stricken with leukaemia. <gasps> Hank vows he'll love Marie forever. But then Alice Robertson crosses mm. his path. <laughs> well, you might remember that little saga from the Wakefield saga. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, tantalising. But oh my good sweet <laughs> Jesus, the cover that Karen has printed out, which I have not seen before this very mm-hmm. moment. It is something, all right. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> Anna is giddy over here. Please <laughs> describe it. Um, so not unlike the Lila Fowler one, yeah. it's got like the silken kind of background, but it's green because, mm. you know, Slytherin. Oh, uh, <laughs> And uh, it's got like a little kind of crest with a P on it. It's <laughs> a very unlikely looking family I, crest. I guess, yeah, like that is not a crest. Um, then we've got the kind of row of faces down along the side. So I'm at the top. I'm guessing that's Cassandra. Sure. That's Sophie. I think this is Sophie Edmonton. Uh, she looks like a fancy highborn lady. Yeah, she's got um, a bit of the um, the sort of haircut you'd find on a soap opera, American soap opera oh yeah, person from the early nineties. A very a highly anachronistic haircut yes. <laughs> for like an eighteenth century duchess or what have you. Uh, then I think we've moved on to is it John? Is yeah the It's like instead of OTG, we've got RTC. Cowboys galore. We really do. Yeah. Um, so he's looking very dashing in his cowboy hat with his little uh, flannel shirt mm-hmm. and a neckerchief. It's great. It's <laughs> oh, I like him. He looks cheeky. I think then beneath him, I think that's Cassandra. I guess it probably is. She's just yeah. like this like dark haired, good looking woman. Is she wearing a medical? It's just like a white dress or like a white top of some sort. Is it? Um, yeah, it doesn't look medical. Okay. And then I think the last face is Henry Patman, Bruce's dad. Or is it meant to be Bruce himself? Or is it meant to be Bruce? Because it doesn't look like it, Bruce. No, it, it 100% is not Bruce. Yeah. But I don't, it's, he's got a very sort of early 90s mm. uh, curtain haircut. And they do usually, the last face usually is like <gasps> the Lila or the age. twins or yeah, that's Bruce. True. But I'm not having that. That's not Bruce. Oh no, it absolutely <laughs> isn't. We will put this online and you can see for yourself. Yeah, you can see that for is yourselves. absolutely, it's definitely not Bruce. No way it's Bruce. Uh, but then, <gasps> The cover, well, in real life, it would fold Ooh. out for a big reveal. As like, the amazing uh, Lila, uh, like the Lila, Lila one. Did. And the Wakefield one, remember? Uh-huh. So it's uh, good. <laughs> We've got quite the tableau. Oh my God, <laughs> Oh my. Sexy, right? <laughs> God. It's a lot saucier than you'd expect. What is happening over there at the top left? Please describe. So, <laughs> so we think this is our rootin' tootin' cowboy. Uh, <laughs> over here, he's... Um, you know, he's, he's jumping him and down. He's delighted. There's a big um, oil thing behind him. It's gushing at a very odd... An alarming rate. Yes. <laughs> and also, something is... His middle is concealed behind a barcode yeah. and it gives an unfortunate effect. Mm-hmm. And things will be going on back there. That this gushing is coming from him. Oh, that's true yeah uh, so I guess we don't actually have the full picture because the barcode God. is in the way so maybe it's for the best yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's our um, our RTC yeah. then we have uh, one of the actresses because there's a couple of actresses on the oh, like, in Marie the family Vandor yeah there's side. like a sort of acting there's dynasty like a, yeah there's like a few generations of actresses but I'm mm. not sure which one she is because they all end up playing like Ophelia and doing Shakespeare basically mm, true so anyone's guess which one she is mm. The main image is very saucy. Oh my <laughs> good <sweet> lord! <laughs> I think 
that's Sophie and... There's a Sophie and Henry, yeah. Yeah, the hunky stable yeah, lad. This is who we start off with. Please describe. Uh, so, so Sophie's standing in the door of the stable, looking very, like, appraisingly towards um, yes. Henry. He's standing there with no shirt on. <laughs> no. <laughs> absolutely scandalous. He's, ba- he's seen from the back, but he's sort of, like, his hands on hips. Yeah. He's kind of offering his wares. Kind of is, yeah. So he's mm. got, like, he's got some pants on, but that is it. Mm. Yeah. And then, and then I think then that this is Hank and Alice, Alice. Yeah, because they yeah, to get a Wakefield because Alice there. sounds like she dresses like a hippie when she's in college, and that's yeah. kind of the vibe I'm getting off this. Or a top. medieval lady. It's that kind of peasant blouse. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hank has uh, quite the moustache going on as well. He does. Yeah. So it probably is meant to be Bruce then. Oh, but it's totally. It is but not the not Bruce. Bruce of the like. we yeah, we know what Bruce looks like. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's, it is. It's a doozy. It's a hell of a cover, I'll tell you. <laughs> it's a top notch. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for bringing that in. You are welcome. <laughs> so let's take it right back. Let's do this thing. To 1825. All right. With Duke's daughter, Lady Sophie Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Taking over linen stockings. I don't think people really wore linen stockings like cotton. But not linen, it's very rough. Mm, true. But anyway, she's taken off her, her stockings for a cooling dip in a lake. And she's 16 years old. And she knows her father would be shocked if he could see what she was getting up to. And uh, she's, uh, but she's not like other 19th century girls. <laughs> <laughs> so she's de- she's in in the water. And she's having a great time splashing around. She's interrupted by a hunk. <gasps> and he's blonde. But then, like, not that long afterwards, we're told he has dark hair. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's happening. I don't buy this. And they have very <laughs> tedious banter about, oh, you're a mermaid. Yeah. It's as annoying as you would expect. It's, yeah, it's like old-timey flirting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, even modern flirting in Sweet Valley is always really bad. So. <laughs> True, actually, yeah. <laughs> I mean, plus the change. And she's, she's just perving away at him. And his suspenders, which of course are braces. Yes. And he says that she's too beautiful to be an ordinary mortal. And uh, so she must be a mermaid. And she's used to Melanie, her sister, being the beauty. Um, And uh, she introduces herself and his brows raise when he hears that she is the daughter of the Duke. She's the Lady Edmonton. Yes. Not sure how that's how the title works. But anyway, (laughs) um, he is Henry Padman. And they exchange smouldering glances before he just runs away as is tradition. Yeah. Don't bother saying goodbye. No, just one off. Mm. So back in the house, Melanie, which I think is a very unlikely name for English aristocrat. Oh, there's a lot of oh. very incongruous no, names. These are the best ones. Oh my god! Right <laughs> way Melanie is ones. nothing compared to what's <laughs> coming. <laughs> and Melanie, I don't like this term. I think it's a misogynistic one, but she is a nymphomaniac. Like she is boy <laughs> crazy. She is a horny teen. Not only is she a horny teen, she goes like it actually seems unhinged she talks about it in front of her dad oh yeah a lot yeah and I feel like uh, seems well, very unlikely it, it's oh, extremely unlikely for like the times we're talking about yeah. here but as well it's a very kind of Liz and Jess dynamic to kind oh, of ease okay. us into things I feel oh, like yeah, that's true you know well and Melanie is also a massive bitch yeah so. like there's only a year between them so it's yeah. like and apparently sort of you know 10 things I hate about you style <laughs> Melanie is allowed to date <laughs> Like she would be <laughs> until Sophie's married, married off. off. And Sophie's only 16. Like, even then. Yeah. I was literally reading a book when I was reading a proper book. When I was reading this <laughs> a one. A real book. Um, based on a BBC documentary series about Georgian England, which was pointing out that up to well into the 19th century, the average age to get married was 25 mm. for women. 
So yeah. like, the fucking way they care about a 16-year-old. Like, no, she must be she's still, off. still a baby. <laughs> and apparently the Duke is like arranging a, some aristocratic hugs mm-hmm. for Sophie's delectation. And it's like, you're Duke's daughter and take care that you'll never forget it. <laughs> and Melody literally like, was practically masturbating over the news that there's a new stable hand. Yeah. And the Duke is like, what? You better stay away from her. It's like, why are you talking like this? But if your dad... Like, yeah, this it's is very so weird. weird. Like, yeah. she's, she's practically rubbing herself up against the chairs. <laughs> so, like, Somebody needs to spray some water on Melanie yeah. quick. <laughs> and then she wants to head to the corral. Because oh, that's what they call it. So to funny. catch a glimpse of this hunk. But Sophie literally just plans to sit by herself in a private spot fantasizing about Henry. Okay. And she's the one rubbing herself up against True. something. <laughs> Let us start a petition's rubbing going on here. <laughs> it's a horny household. It is. So later on, as they're getting ready for dinner, Melanie is like, um, you know, you just need to pick some half decent looking man who's rich. Yeah. And you can grow to love him. Speaking of, you know, men you might grow to love, the stable hand is a hunk <laughs> and Melanie just keeps going on about it while their dad enters again <laughs> and mentions that this guy's name is Henry Patman oh yeah because up to now I suppose Sophie didn't realise that's who Henry was that he's the no. stable dude but, but so he is by the way in real life if a duke heard their daughter banging on like this mm-hmm. about some hunky stable hand that stable hand would be out on the street out in his ear and she'd be sent off to a convent or something yeah, probably exactly. <laughs> to cool the fuck off but no <laughs> Um, but, but no uh, Melanie can't be stopped basically <laughs> so we cut that to seven weeks later and Melanie's away in her friend Priscilla's house mm-hmm. uh, which is good because she can't uh, keep an eye on Sophie who keeps sneaking off to see Henry <gasps> they got a little romance going on they do yeah they meet up at night time yes uh, again there's you know it's the female gaze yeah, you know, she's just keeps thinking about how amazing he is. And yeah, they keep going off and meeting in the stables and uh, he um, they they arranged to meet when she went to the stables first with Lord Byron, her horse. He was like, <laughs> can you suggest a route I might go? I won't be disturbed. And he's like, oh yes, you might go this way and I might meet you there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they do. And they, uh, they, they keep meeting up in secret, pretending that she's going off on a, on a ride and he... She's uh, going off on a ride, all right. Oh, <laughs> oh, of course she is. <laughs> and he's uh, written a poem about her. Oh, yes. It's not very good. I mean, It's no. on page 26. It is. Oh, like, crowded for us. <laughs> to a mermaid. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Through willow branches I first glimpsed <gasps> a rare and precious water nymph. A sparkling smile and flowing hair. Your graceful arms so lithe and fair. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you know, and so on. Your love's an unexpected prize for one so earthly born as I. My heart is yours to hold or break, my Sophie, Lady of the Lake. Oh, it's kind oh, of oh, cute. Why am I saying? Oh, it's cute. Yes, it is. God damn it. Falling despite myself. <laughs> so understandably, she's madly in love. Of course. Yeah. But her dad wants her to marry some local posho. Yeah, Lord Elliot or something. Yeah. yeah. So we cut to Henry's POV. He's in love too. Aww. And uh, Sophie arrives in the stables and they embrace before he proposes. <gasps> He's got a silver ring. Aww. And of course, she says yes. But they need her dad's permission. And Henry says, uh, no, we don't. If we ride two counties away, that's not really how counties in England work. Like, mm. They don't have separate laws. Go to Gretna Green. That's yes. Used to that's it. Yeah. Go across the border. Job but, done. <laughs> but anyway, apparently two counties away. Like, I don't know. They go to like Norfolk or sufficiently something. Sufficiently far away that nobody will know her. Think. Yeah. And they yeah. can marry uh, without her father's consent. But yeah, it means running away, basically, and yeah. never coming home. 
but she doesn't mind. So she gives him her father, her mother's locket, oh. her treasure possession. As a yeah, it's token. like a golden diamond locket. Yeah. And they agree, that, OK, well, they're not going to, you know, to avoid suspicion. They're not going to meet until Saturday when they run off together. Yeah. Um, so Sophie is ready to go and she's getting all her stuff together and she's prepared. She's got to sell all her jewels until Henry gets a job and she looks for her diary. But it's not there. And also, like an idiot, she's been writing absolutely everything of into course, her. Yeah, she's probably just leaving it like on her pillow or something. But she just has to give up. She can't find it. So she heads to the stables and finds Henry. But as they leave, they're greeted by armed men. Oh, no. It's the Duke and a constable. And, and uh, her brother is there as well, yeah, I think. Yeah. He seemed okay before that. He did. Henry's arrested. He's taken out to be deported because somehow the Duke can. <laughs> can deport people to like, America was in the 1820s <laughs> like that's not how no. it worked um, every for many many reasons that's not how it worked <laughs> so uh, Henry heads off to America with a locket and he's like I'll make a fortune so no one will have any power over me ever again and he basically spends years living in a filthy squalid pit in New York City yeah it's pretty grim it's literally got rats. He's literally kicking away rats. He's, he kicks a rat at one point, yeah. And I was like, oh, lazy, leave the rat alone. <laughs> and back in England, Sophie's married uh, Charles Elliot. Mm-hmm. She doesn't love him. And it turns out that uh, the reason that they were caught was because Melanie found the diary and snitched. Of course she did, the little bitch. Oh, she really is. So back over in America, Char- Henry is still living in, like, surrounded by rats. But then he is set upon by proper... OTGs! These are like old-timey, old-timey. Really old. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like, you better plank down the greenback sea. Oh my God, amazing. Uh, and he manages to get away from them out the window. But he realises, oh shit, I have to leave home, but I'm going to have one last gamble. Yeah, because he's still he's, hold, he's held onto the locket all these yeah. years as well. He's never managed to um, sell that, I yeah. guess. He's right. finally got to pawn it. Oh, yeah. And use the money to have one last bid. One last poker game. Yeah. And he gambles with somebody called Silas O'Hara. What a convenient name. Might be evoking something. (laughs) Because Silas has an old plantation down in Georgia called Tara. I mean, called something else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's a spare. Because he has one that he... Oh, sure. He got it from his... His spare plantation. Yeah. 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 He he just has two. (laughs) Um, And it has... It comes complete... With workers. Oh. Mm-hmm. Workers, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Though, by the way, just going to say it now, they actually do acknowledge all this. They do, yeah. To our immense surprise. <laughs> I thought they were going to go full God with the wind and romanticise it. And I, I was like, oh, oh God. shit. Yeah, it's also quite dodgy because as he's like, when he wins the plantation, he's like, from now on, he would be the master of his own destiny. Other men would bend to his will for oh. the first time in his life. And it's like, oh, that is a horrific choice of words. Yes. Considering you've just got a plantation. Complete with human beings that <laughs> I you now have ownership over. Well, yeah. then he turns evil, basically, straight away. Oh, yeah, immediately. So, yeah, off he goes. And then we cut to 1846, where Sophie's 20 years later, and Sophie's watching A Midsummer Night's Dream, I think, and it's, she's thinking of Henry. Well, you're better off without him, as it turns out. She well, very, yeah, got Jesus very easily suckered into there, like. white supremacist. <laughs> yeah. But Sophie's daughter, Emma, is entranced by the show. And oh. it turns out she wants to be an actress. Yeah, it's like her 16th birthday. So as a present, they've brought her to, to the theatre yeah. for the first time. And Sophie's like, or Emma's like, uh, this is amazing. I yeah. love it. But Charles, of course, does not approve. No. Uh, and then we cut to five years later and Emma still wants to be an actress. And she's, she's in the Elliot family home and... Um, She's just dreaming of how she could get away. Uh, but unfortunately, she has to play host to Melanie's children. Jesus. And they are called. Oh my God. 
this. <laughs> Sorry, I can't remember what the other one is called, but one of them is called Brittany. <laughs> like, no, I'm the sorry. Other is Belinda. Which Belinda, I yes. I was like, yeah, that was it. I wasn't as shocked Brittany. by Belinda. But Brittany, are you kidding oh, me? Oh my God. 19th century young one called it's, Brittany. I don't think so. It's amazing. <laughs> so Charles proposes a birthday toast to Beli- to Emma and announces that he's um, engaged her oh, to somebody. God. Yeah, he announces the betrothal of Emma to like Baron Arthur Worthington's eldest son and Emma's like, uh, you fucking what? She, she hasn't even seen him. Yeah, and Sophie hadn't known about it either so it's like, yes. what the hell are you doing? And Emma, of course, runs away crying. I mean, possibly the origin. Some things never change. Good point. <laughs> so Sophie comforts her and tells her about her youthful love for Henry and how she had to give him up and uh, she had to give up her dream. Yeah, because as far as Emma's concerned, Sophie is just like, you know, this like straight-laced lady who never did anything crazy in her mm. life, kind of. Whereas they're like, oh no, she had all this high stuff going on, Emma. So she gives her the Henry's ring Aww. that she's been treasuring for 20 years and she says just run away to the theatre she gives her all her savings as well like, she gives her a big wad of cash oh yeah it's, so like, it's, like, it's like was that Sophie's money to run away <laughs> it's like here but oh, you, you yeah, better do it oh yeah it's a away fund yeah so next thing Emma is on the game in London <laughs> as would realistically happen I mean that's what would happen but, but no, no. She isn't. No. She's calling herself Vanessa Saxton uh-huh. because Sophie suggested very cleverly yeah. fake uh, change her name. Yeah, so it's a fake name it. so her dad can't find her because obviously the dad didn't know anything about this or you yeah. know, her running off or that Sophie's basically like fucking like it, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. But it's not going well because unsurprisingly she has as somebody with absolutely no Zero theatrical experience, experience yeah. at all. Not even like a school play. Mm-hmm. She's not doing well. No. She's been telling people that she played Juliet at, at the Elliot Arms <laughs> Theatre which is basically her family house and her her reciting it in a room. In a room, all. <laughs> I can kind of relate to that. Poor one. Emma. So she sees a sign for a shabby theatre company called the Vauxhall and she decides beggars can't be choosers. And she goes in and sees the, gets to see the director, Mr. Possum. Mr. Possum. Oh, he's not good, is he? Fantastic name, though. It's quite Dickensian, actually. Isn't it? Yeah. But he's so creepy. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's a place where young actresses can gain experience mm. and come back at midnight. And naively, she agrees. Oh, no. And then she comes back and it's all deserted. And it's genuinely very creepy. It's extremely creepy, yeah. He's he like, basically hires Harvey Weinstein's all over the place. Oh, God, he literally yeah. is. He, he has a casting couch yeah. and says he needs to get to know her better. And yeah. this is what, yeah. It's horrific. Yeah. yeah. And she uh, he grabs her arm like a shackle. Yeah. And uh, for, uh, I mean, she, she manages to, to fight her way off. Yeah. But he tells her, you don't have what it takes. And it is actually pretty realistic. I know, yeah. It's, well, it's they, horrible, but it's realistic. I know, poor Emma. Emma. Poor Emma. Well, it gets worse. She runs off into the fog and she gets lost and then two rough men appear <gasps> and assume she actually is a woman of the streets. Oh, no. Um, but, uh, and because, you know, sadly, then as now, sex workers are seen as fair game oh, by, God. you know, horrible men. Yeah, um, There's no protection for them. And she is attacked uh, by these they're bad mockney voices and they hit her to the ground too although one of them's called Reuben which I feel like is a very fancy name for a for <laughs> low lifey gangster type though it could be like I don't know if you read Cold Comfort Farm which is very funny oh. and there's uh, all the rustic types are called Seth and Reuben oh okay so maybe he's maybe he's one of them but then she's saved because a, a soft voice <laughs> is saying a lilting voice is saying it's alright less oh god and then says on the next block, twas I. Oh my God, what when is I this? I heard you scream. Who's the beacon? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Patrick O'Sullivan is my name. <laughs> so of course he's a fucking cop. He's Irish. 
even though, of course, the um, Irish Cup is very much not a thing in England for no, many it's reasons. Not. It really like, isn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did not like us over there. No, then. <laughs> they'd be more likely to beat a confession for uh-huh. murder out of you than and put you in prison for twenty years. And, and how? <laughs> then uh, recruit you. Indeed. But um, yeah, they. they oh, but the fucking on the next block, oh twas I killed me off altogether. Twas like, I. Twas is it, it was. was. So I know. on the next block, it, it was. was I when I heard you. Oh, stop it! Stop God. it! <laughs> I'm actually kind of disappointed we don't get more out of them though because he's, he's not in it for long enough to rile us up. <laughs> Our rage is so justifiable. I know, I was getting all excited. I know. I have so many exclamation marks after oh my God, he's Irish. <laughs> and then he offers to help him out her home speaking in his soothing Irish brogue. Oh God. By the way, everybody, don't call it a brogue. Oh, please don't. It's so obnoxious and awful. He's calling her lass and lassie. And Which it's like, we don't that's, do. That's Scottish. Like, yeah. Yeah. If that, mm. I mean, maybe they don't. Yeah, and even that's that. a stereotype too. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out her purse has been stolen, and for some reason she was carrying all her money. I know. What is she doing? That's so. Come on, Emma. As she puts it, very unrealistically, uh, every quid from my mother. Oh my god, that's not how you use quid. quid. And she calls him a bobby as well at one point, yeah. and it's like uh, a fancy lady would not call him a bobby. <laughs> well, luckily he says, "Tis my own mother. I'll take you to." Oh god. I was say, oh, this should be good. <laughs> So we cut her a few weeks later and she's still shacked up with him and she's his just, mother. She's just moved in. Yeah. Oh, but they're really nice. They are. And she's got a job at a milliner's shop. Now, mm-hmm. I don't think the go- the go- ghost writer or, uh, wrote, knew that milliner's shops in the uh. 19th century were fronts mm-hmm. for uh, sex work. That's right. Yeah. So uh, maybe she is. Uh, I mean, no I mean, shame in it. None whatsoever. Plenty yeah. of women ended up doing it in London in the 19th century. Absolutely. Massive proportion. Uh, but uh, she isn't really. Um, she's just going to stay on living with them. And by Christmas, Patrick is proposing to her. Oh, God. And she doesn't know. She messes around with them. She kind of does, yeah. Because she's like, I don't actually, like, I'm not in love with him. But she's just, like, really grateful for, you know, the fact that they've given her a house to live yeah. in. So she's sort of like, ah, oh, you'll do. Oh, God. He also mentions his sister, Caitlin, at one point. I and I'm just like, that. absolutely not. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Caitlin is an Irish-American name yes. from, like, the 80s. Yes. Based on the Irish language spelling of Kathleen. Yeah. Like, if she was, if she was this, if, she, if this was it, it would be Cauchleen. Like, Couch. if it was anything. Couch, at best. And yeah. I don't think, like, oh, yeah. God. And if she was Eng- in England, she'd be called Kathleen. Like, that's yeah. just what they call her. I mean, he's not called Porrick. <laughs> no, exactly. Oh, well, anyway. <laughs> we just had to get that out of our systems, I okay? He's the only time Irish people have turned up. This I know. Is what we get. But two days later, she's back at the job and incredibly implausibly, a man who's looking to recruit an, a single actor and a single actress <laughs> for his theatre troupe his wants to put an ad up in a troupe. fucking hat shop. Yeah, that's right. And she's his name is Grady Phillips. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that she has no experience, she goes on about her love for the theatre and he's like, I like your moxie, kid. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And then she just uh, tells poor old Patrick she's going and off she goes. Yeah, see you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Emma out. Next thing we know, she's on the Mediterranean coast where Grady, they've been on tour all over Europe. Grady proposes to her and she accepts and then he has a confession. Oh yeah, it turns out he's secretly a fucking Marquess or something and it's like, excuse me, what? And she's like, I have a confession. I'm a Duke's daughter. Oh my God. Or a, no, she's a Baroness. She's a, anyway, she's, she's some she's manner Duke's of aristocrat. She's oh God, it's so ridiculous. But it's also like, I wouldn't get too excited, lads, because it probably means you're related. Like. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't bother them. True, yeah. And she can't believe how everything's worked out so well. Neither can I. Oh. And then, as my notes say, Oh Jesus. Uh-oh. 
1861. Shit's about to get real, lads. A plantation <laughs> in Georgia. Fuck. Uh, yeah. So it turns out Henry is now an old white supremacist. Oh my God. And he's, he's made a fortune on slave labour. Mm-hmm. And he's living in Tara, I mean, Enchanted Meadows. Enchanted Meadows. Oh, like God. fucking haunted meadows. Oh God, the irony. You know there's probably some celebrities having a fucking wedding party in that uh, place right now. Yeah. Yeah. And have done. Yes. Ryan Reynolds. Lovely climbing. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so, but he has somehow managed to produce a decent child. His son, James. Well, one good one at least, yeah. Oh yeah, one. I mean, a decent child. Sanford's little shithead. Oh, Sanford's terrible. You can go right to hell. So, well, <laughs> you get your wish. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, James is riding home with, uh, with Sanford, who just can't wait to whoop some Yankee ass if Georgia secedes from the Union, which mm-hmm. it is expected to do any second now. And we learn that James doesn't want to have anything to do with Enchanted Meadows because he hates slavery. And, but he's the oldest son, so he's sort of expected to. Yes. He just does not want to, he just wants to leave. He wants nothing to do with it. Yeah. He hates everything. And he, in fairness to him, he argues with his family about it he does. all the time. Yep. And now he's a, he's just come of age, so his plan is to just leave. Mm-hmm. And he defends Lincoln to Sanford, but Sanford just parrots his dad and says that all abolitionists should be hanged. Jesus Christ. No. And uh, James tries to explain how monstrous and immoral slavery is, but Sanford's like, oh, that's just all they know. They don't know any better. Oh, God. Yeah. Sanford's terrible. It's, yeah, it's but I guess he got it from Henry. Well, this is it. I mean, yeah. he's, he's technically a child. Yeah. So later, all the menfolk gather in the plantation to hear if Georgia has seceded. And we learn that Henry is married well, and he, but he's... Yeah, his he father-in-law is some like French-sounding dude who also has a plantation. Of course. So, yeah. And the news arrives that Georgia has seceded and Sanford declares he's ready to fight for the South. And uh, Henry's like, no, tell me what to do with my property, especially a Yankee. They're all horrible to him. And James rightly points out that property you're talking about is actual people. people yeah. And uh, and also the South can't win a war. The North has the big industries. We've got like s- slave labour yeah. and cotton. Ugh. And the good old boys don't care about that. And John, and they're like, oh, we just have Southern courage. And James says, Southern courage is Southern arrogance. And Ooh. Henry slaps him across the face. Oh my God. And yeah, it's, it's around here somewhere that it mentions that Henry's Henry runs his hands through his black hair. And it's yeah. like, uh, he was super blonde when he was 21 back in England. So oh. what the fuck happens? Like owning a plantation turned both his soul and his hair black. Oh, <laughs> good point. Um, and he t- well, he tells James that James should protect his mother and his home. And James like, I'll defend my mother to the death, but not the shackle and the whip. Good for you, James. I, that's literally what my notes yeah. are. <laughs> Go, James. The one good one. So that night he's like, fuck you all. Yeah. I'm leaving. I'm out. So we cut to a few months later and James is like in some undergrowth somewhere and he's guiding some runaways. Mm-hmm. So people who were living in slavery have, um, he's part of the Underground Railroad and he's helping them get to, uh, get to the north. They're trying to reach a raft and with him, and again, Fair Fox to the writers, yeah. his sort of the leader of the network is a black woman called Hope mm-hmm. who used to be enslaved and she's like basically the boss. Yeah, she's in charge. Yeah. So it's not like being presented as being sort of pure white saviour. White saviour like stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, He's it's, actually just helping. Like, Yeah, it's black abolitionists helping in the, you know, and former yeah. slaves helping in the, you know, helping others, mm-hmm. running the Underground Railroad. Yeah. It's surprisingly good. I know, I'm really <laughs> amazed. And we're told leading people seem to come as naturally to hope as breathing. And they're true partners. Like, I mean, she's the boss. Really. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she's great with the kids because they're obviously, it's, you know, really horrible having to keep the kids quiet course, as they escape. Yeah. And he starts pondering, what a good mother he'd make. Mm. Mm. <laughs> a bit of a spark between them. 
and they get the fugitives um, to their to the raft on time. And they're but they're fearing for their lives and for their children. And we're yeah, they can that, they like, can hear dogs in the background. Like yeah. it's kind of there's people catching up with them, and it's all very tense and scary. And like. it also repeatedly highlights the absolute like monstrosity of slavery. It's like one of the people who's, who's tried to get away mm. says like, "Oh, they're going to take my child away from me," like they did the God, other ones or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like lives. it doesn't like hold back. Yeah. So later they get to a safe house, and uh, all the the black contingent have to hide in the cellar yeah. because you know they're in danger of being. Um, seized mm-hmm. but um, Hope is still up in the apart from Hope she's up in the house with the, the Darby family who are a white family or members of the Underground Railroad and they learn that the Civil War has kicked off Uh-oh. and Virginia has joined the Confederacy and uh, again they even acknowledge James has to confront his own in, inner racism because he realises that he's not used to being looked in the eye by a black person yeah but he's, he's very self-aware like, yeah, isn't he but yeah. he's like but you know, that's my problem. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, you yeah. know, this is, you know, my He's, own. Yeah, it's it's shocking how well they've handled this. I know. I mean, <laughs> no one could be more surprised we, than us. Our expectations were extremely low. <laughs> so because James loves hope, he, he just says, look, I'm, I think you should stay north when you when you get people out. Yeah. Uh, because you know, we're all risking our lives, but you're risking everything like yeah. if the Darbys could, would be hanged if they were found yes yeah that's with James and James is horrified by when, he, when Hope says no I'm coming back I'm going to keep uh, Harriet Tubman style He's gonna, she's going to keep, gonna keep working people, yeah. and he's horrified but she reminds him that he is a trim master and he's like fair point <laughs> not up to me <laughs> and he's really impressed yeah cut a few months later and their relationship has gone to another level. Hope has been his wife for the past five months. Yes. Good for you guys. And they pass a checkpoint who tries to sort of test them. They're a bit suspicious, Ooh, but they, yeah. they manage to get through um, by their pretending that Hope is, is James's property. She plays the part. Yeah, like, yeah. They, they have fake uh, papers. Mm-hmm. And after they get through, Hope has, has some news. <gasps> She's having a baby. She is. And just so you think that Bruce is going to have like a great, 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 great grandma who's black, <laughs> thus raising the diversity level of Sweet Valley by like 100%. What are you shocking about? Yeah. Just, I'm just, oh, oh, sadly, just manage expectations. Yeah. yeah. So James is absolutely overjoyed. He's like, okay, now you have to go north to yeah. safety. And she says that they're fighting so black people aren't torn from their families. And he's her family now. Aww. And she's sticking with them. And I'm not leaving you. I know. No. I was actually joking about that. I know, it's very touching. They are the coolest people in the <laughs> Sweet Valley book. <laughs> they're incredibly brave they really are and this is high stakes shit like. yeah and James like okay I'm going north with you she says no okay we we um, we'll run our missions right and yeah. then okay eventually we'll, we'll find somewhere and James is she she wonders is their marriage going to be legal anywhere mm. because obviously there were lots of states where it wasn't up to, wouldn't have been up to the 60s which is mind blowing crazy yeah uh, but James is like well fuck fuck them uh, we'll go to Canada yeah um, and so a few months later, James goes on a small mission and he leaves Hope behind with the Darbies because she's about to give birth. Yeah, she's like seven or eight months pregnant yeah. at this stage. Yeah. But so she's she's staying with the Dar- the, the kindly Darby family. Mm-hmm. But when he returns. Oh, God. This is the darkest thing in any Sweet Valley book. This is extremely grim. Yeah. Actually, genuinely upsetting. Yeah. So he comes back and the Darbies have been hanged oh, outside the house. And then he goes in and Hope is dead. Oh, she's yeah, like Hope and there's a, a dead soldier there as well. So it's like, at least you should fuck she, her down with she her. She did. Like, yeah. He's literally, his last, like yeah. it's hope before he practically passes out with grief yeah. is that she died with a, you know, with a gun in her hand. Yeah, yeah. And killing got, got a the white guy supremacist. Who, who killed her. Yeah, like yeah. good for you, Hope. But also this is so fucking horrific. It's like, well, I can't make fun of this. This I is know, horrible. We can't. It's like, genuinely Jesus. 
Happy really Christmas, guys. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and in a way, like, it's it's kind of depressing because it it's very moving and it shows the stakes, mm. but it also could have been an opportunity that Bruce did have. A, I know, yeah. A, you know, a, a black woman as his as Yeah, as you didn't have to kill her off. Like. I know. She could have just, they could have just lived. It would have been fine. It wouldn't, it, you know, it's 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 not out of the bounds of possibility that a white person in the 80s had yeah. a black ancestor Indeed. in the, the 1860s. Yeah. Anyway, they don't, they don't go as far as we would like, but uh, no. it's a very powerful scene. It is. And then he returns back to the enchanted acres or whatever Fucking it's called haunted meadows and uh, is the entire family you're dead and good it's all- <laughs> I know it's reading through and I was like good I'm glad they're all fucking dead fuck the lot of them <laughs> he, he doesn't feel quite so no he uh, doesn't <laughs> and it's been burnt to the ground Tarmistal and only the former enslaved workers are left and James is like well it's yours now yeah going west pretty much that's it for James yeah he's, well, he joins the um the army, doesn't he? Oh, he, he has been actually... in the Union Army. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. Uh, so after Hope died, yeah, he joined the, the army because obviously his network was busted after yeah. poor old Darby's And he just goes on a fucking rampage well. and basically takes down as many Confederate soldiers as he can. And yeah. it's like, good for you, James. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's the last we see of him. Yeah. The best person in the... Oh. <laughs> him and Hope are the only decent people that's been good too. Yeah. Uh, so then we head back to London where Catherine Richmond is mm-hmm. a up-and-coming actor. Yeah, she's a 16-year-old actress. Yes. But she's an understudy at the minute. Yeah. yeah. And she's uh, Emma's granddaughter. Aha. And it turns out that Emma has, sort of has a bit of an acting dynasty. Yeah, she properly made it as an actress. And uh, yeah, so then her daughter was also... Who's her daughter? Phoebe. Phoebe, yes. Was like a celebrated Desdemona or yeah. something. So they're basically yeah, an, an acting dynasty. They're like a 19th century Redgraves. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> and they... Uh, She's she's lunching with with her her mother and grandmother and mm-hmm. there's a guest. It's Sir Lancelot Smith Ooh, of the Royal Shakespeare Company, no less. Oh, no less. And he saw her uh, actually get to go on stage as an understudy the night before. And he's offering her a, a, a job mm-hmm. on a tour of America. Ooh. And Phoebe thinks, oh, you need to stay and get an education. It's like, ah, oh, it's the 1880s. Yeah. Like, none of the universities gave women no. degrees. Like, just, that's not going to happen. <laughs> just let her go. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and Vanessa's like, you need to give your father your heart. And gives her the famous silver ring. Oh. So Phoebe's like, oh, yeah, why not? Yeah, grand so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I guess if Nanny says it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Vanessa's the boss. So, yeah, Phoebe didn't get a book or a section of the story of her own. She sure did. She just you, skipped right over her. It's like, we don't care about you, Phoebe. So we've got to Kansas City, where Catherine is struggling with the, the Midwestern heat. Yeah, but she's she's loving the work but and America, I think, but the heat is kind of killing her off yeah, a little bit. Fair enough. I mean, <laughs> yeah. in there. Relatable. Yeah. So she faints, uh, but she's revived by a handsome young man with black hair and blue eyes. Interesting. Yeah, it's like suddenly a tall glass of lemonade appeared before her eyes and it's like, Don't is this the guy or the actual lemonade? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, he is. A, it's a literal lemonade and a guy. And a guy. Yeah, it's both. And his name is John Patman. Uh-huh. And he works in the Grand Emporium, uh, which is a shop. It's a saloon. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he turns up with the audience later. And Catherine is distracted by his beauty. Ooh. After the show, he's delivered a bunch of roses for her and they meet up. And Aww. she fantasises straight away about a romance yeah. with them. They're all pretty horny, all these. <laughs> they are extremely horny teenagers. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, realistic for the There's nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> she does. She's an actor. She should be concentrating on her job. There. <laughs> 
so we got to a few weeks later and it turns out that they've been meeting every day and yeah, giving the, them little presents. The, the play's kind of doing a few weeks I think in Kansas City, isn't yeah. it? So um, they've had time to get to know each other and yeah. they're in love. He's been carving her little prairie dogs. Oh, very cute. <laughs> so he's ready to go and see her for the last, uh, on her last show and he's saved up for an engagement ring. Oh, but so oh, yeah, no. he's going to propose on like, yeah, the last night that she's there. Yeah, but oh, bad things happen. Oh no. There's some uh, a stick-up. Oh, oh, there's a stick-up. Some old-timey criminals. They're not quite gangsters. And they steal the ring and they tie everybody up and he's uh, left there. Yeah, and there's no one coming in, I think, to the bar. Like, his boss is due to come in but, like, like later on really that late. evening yeah. and it's going to be when she's gone on the train and it's like, oh no, they're going to miss each other. And she's back in the on the theatre and she's looking at, she can't see him in the audience because like everybody in Sweet Valley, she needs to see a loved one in well, order to do her job. That's how it works. <laughs> and uh, she's about to head to the shop but Sir Lancelot turns up and he's like, oh, no, we've got to go to the station. Yeah, he kind of whisks her off to the train station and she's like, oh no, but I need to see him because like he had been there every night so yeah. the fact that he's not there, she's like, what the fuck? So a week later, she goes off to New York. Um, she reads a police news report about a robbery in <gasps> Kansas City. That's right. In the Grand Emporium. Because the guys that, uh, yeah, they've done a string of robberies so they've been caught and it was Luke Handley and Carlos Estevez, which I had to write down because that's Charlie Sheen's real name. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he was up to no good in oh. the 1880s as well. <laughs> That son of a bitch. I didn't know. <laughs> Wreaking havoc wherever oh, he goes. <laughs> God. Uh, well, maybe he's turned to crime again now. <laughs> use, use his real name. Yeah. Um, so she is, uh, she's just like, fuck this acting job. I'm going straight there to find him. Yeah. Because he didn't stand me up. But when she goes, he's left. He's gone. Yeah, because she meets his brother who's a real creep and much Brewster. more of a Bruce type. Yeah, yeah and he's a very Bruce Brewster. type. <laughs> it's so subtle, you guys. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the brother's a creep and she's huh? like, oh no. But uh, yeah, it turns out that John has left town so they've no way to find each other. And then she goes back to New York and she gets a telegram. <laughs> so unnecessary. Oh, ta- say what the telegram says. Uh, basically, there was a fire at her family's theatre and everyone's dead. Her whole family. Her entire family whole have been wiped dead. out. And it's like, there was no need for that. Lads. No, it's like, <laughs> even one of them, it would have been bad. So she's like, right, I'm never going back to I'm England. Never returning now. to England. It's like, that could have, she could have just decided to stay in America anyway. You didn't need yeah, to kill off her whole family Jesus every single member so excessive so we cut to 1890 El Paso Texas a rodeo it's a rodeo it turns out that John has spent the last four years travelling around working with horses carving prairie dogs and riding in rodeos <laughs> he's impressed by a slim young rodeo rider and tries to surly when, when John tries to to, yeah, yeah, because they're in, a, they're in a competition and this kid wins. Yeah. Um, and John kind of goes up to congratulate him. He's, he's kind like, of rude. He is. And he's like, hey, I'm talking to you, kid. And then the, the rider's hat falls off to reveal flowing blonde locks. <gasps> beautiful woman. <laughs> Gallops away. <laughs> and later we got to Samantha Parker, for yeah. it is she. She's at the Texas Tavern and it turns out she fancies John, but she prefers her freedom. <laughs> and uh, then he turns up he's tracked her down like a stalker I know yeah it's a little bit creepy <laughs> and she's like eh, okay, yeah whatever I have nothing to say to you yeah he wants to buy her a drink and she's yeah. just like yeah she's kind of off with him or whatever and he's like well fine I didn't want to talk to you anyway he stops off <laughs> yeah. and the next thing we know he's at the desert and he's basically starving yeah. and then he finds, sees a camp uh, like a campfire mm-hmm. and it's Samantha uh-huh. turns out she had to shoot her horse Jesus because he was spooked by a rattlesnake so much death and now she's <laughs> Toasting the rattlesnake on the flames, <laughs> and they eat it, and then they kiss. Yeah, and it's like from there, kiss was the most natural step. Is it's it? like ah yes, after a mouthful of rattlesnake, it's time <laughs> for a Bring kiss. It on. <laughs> a few 
weeks later, they're married. A couple mm-hmm. of years later, they've got a farm in Texas. Yeah, they've got this ranch, but it's kind of struggling because there's been a drought, I think, that year. So it's not going super well. But she's kind of great because she's uh, still wearing her jeans. Oh, yeah, she's like... Cowboy boots. She's great. They've got a kid. They do. But the farm is doing well. Mm. They're, they're going to lose it if they can't. Yeah, John's uh, talking about uh, heading out to the nearest town to find some work and she's like, absolutely not. We're a family and we're staying here together. But she also has a sort of rootin' tootin' way of... Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, can I, uh, oh, yeah. She... she um, Yes, she's like, no way in tarnation am I letting you leave this ranch to find paid work. You just try it and I'll raise a ruckus and wake snakes. That's all right, Calamity Jane. <laughs> I'm just a girl who can't say no. <laughs> um, so he's got to give one last chance at the farm and he's trying to get more water. So he digs a well. Mm-hmm. And watch it burst out of this well. <gasps> Tell me some fucking oil, baby. The rich. All right. By the way, but not for the first time, I'm going to ask... Why haven't we heard the Bruce is descended from oil money mm. and where are the fucking calves? <laughs> Where's the canning factory? <laughs> Nowhere. <laughs> oh, God, Lord. <laughs> well, I'll soothe my rage because come to a good bit. We're going to the roaring twenties. Fuck yeah, we are. <laughs> We're going to Boston. It's 1924. It is. And William Patman is being dragged to a party by his friend Frederick. Mm-hmm. And William is hilariously Rootin' and tooting. He's a cartoon cowboy. Oh my he's god. Yosemite Sam. Quote like. him, please. Because he's pretty great. <laughs> he's, uh, like, he can take you to a party with all these nice, posh, Wellesley girls. <laughs> but he's like, gee! <laughs> <laughs> Yeehaw! Why didn't you say so sooner? Let me out them fillies. <laughs> and his pal is like, yeah, maybe that goes well in San Antonio, but, like, girls don't like it when you call them horses here. <laughs> he's like, giddy up! He's kind of like, what's his face in uh, Anchorman? Oh, oh, um, champ? Yes. <laughs> Whammy. <laughs> Except he's a bit more, uh, he's a bit more good-natured. Yeah, true. Um, so Frederick wants to fix him up with his fancy bell, Helena Howard. Mm-hmm. But William is sceptical. And so is Helena, who genuinely wonders, as do I, if William's bumpkin persona is an act. Because, like, he's been at Harvard for three years. Like, yeah. And he's still like, oh, I just fell off of him. <laughs> Cotton picking moment. <laughs> I don't know yeah. where all this is going from. Um, and yeah, she's shocked when he hears that his big sister, Amy, is Amy Patman, who is apparently this really sophisticated legend. Yeah, this really like fancy lady from, is it like Wellesley or something? Yeah, they're all in Wellesley, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the nice posh ladies college. Yes. Um, and uh, yes, he's he's literally hooting and hollering. <laughs> he's too much for him. But, uh, but yeah, Amy's um, very impressive because she's high up in Patman oil. So good yeah. for her. In the yeah. 20s. I know. Seems, unli- really seems unlikely, but okay. It does. Also, we are the cats, but never going to stop asking about the cats. But yeah, because William is um, Samantha and John's kid. Uh, oh, yes, that. he is. Yeah. yeah. Um, or possibly grandchild? Mm. No, actually, no, no probably he's... kid because they found the oil in 1890. Yeah. yeah and it's only yeah, 30 yeah. years later and he's like 20. Yeah. Um, yes. And in fact, it, it is Samantha's. He is, Samantha is his mother because a few weeks later, he's... Uh, He's still thinking about um, Helena, even though he's blathering on to Frederick about his mom. Mama's still roping calves every day, even though she's <laughs> six years old. Or, and uh, Frederick's like, okay, keep yeah, keep that to yourself again. Tone down the local colour. Yeah. <laughs> he shouldn't have to. He should Proud of himself. It's true. Um, so it's the day before graduation and William is determined to finally make a big statement. So he takes a bike. <laughs> Over to Wellesley. Well, not just any bike. Oh, no. 
A bicycle built for two. It's a fucking tandem bike. Just gas. <laughs> and when he's there, he charms the, I don't know, door monitor into letting him in. Yeah. And uh, inside, Helena is admitting to her friends that actually, because they were all going to graduate, she knows they're going to be going their separate ways. Mm-hmm. And, um, they're uh, going to be, you know, she's never going to see William again, possibly. Yeah, because they have gotten to know each other a bit over the last few weeks and she does actually like him. Yeah. Because he's very obviously making an effort to, like, win her over. Yeah. And then he cycles in singing Daisy, Daisy, <laughs> give me your answer to <laughs> He's got a tandem song. And he has like a bouquet of daisies too, I think. Oh, he, he does. Yeah. And then he sings, I want to be happy, but I won't be happy till I make you happy too. <laughs> and he proposes. And understandably, she says, yes, as would I probably. I mean, yeah, I hate public proposals, but no. this is cute. It's super cute. <laughs> and it's kind of just with her friends as well. It's true, yeah. yeah. So uh, they cycle out of the hall together. And everyone cheers. It's extremely cool. I know. I love it. I like that as well, It's actually. very endearing. Yeah, Bruce has some nice ancestors. Where did, he, where did they go wrong? I well, I think it's Marie Vanderhorn. She was yeah. a... She, I mean, she's, she's a horrible to bitch. Roger. Yeah. So then we cut to 1926 and Helena is in labour. Oh my goodness. She's driving into New York. They pass a sign for the Beggar's Opera, though. That's uh, what I wrote my uh, thesis in it. Oh. oh yeah, but it mentions Catherine, Catherine Lamov, and it's yeah. like a little crossover. I know, so near and yet so far, Patman. <laughs> anyway, it didn't come out till 1928. Anyway, <laughs> that was in Berlin. But um, <laughs> Catherine's ahead of the curve and ahead of Bertolt Brecht, and she uh, she has the baby in hospital. It's very early. Uh, he's like the first baby born in the new year, and he has a Texas shaped birthmark. Oh. They decide to call him Peter, and. Oh, Paul. Sorry. <laughs> it's close. <laughs> I can't tell the word. Um, and Helena's really overprotective of him. Mm, it sounds like it was a very stressful pregnancy and labor, And birth, though. yeah. Because yeah, he was early. Tough going, like. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, so she's really sort of paranoid about his, his health because she just thinks he sort of seems a bit feeble. Yeah. And also notices that his birthmark has just faded away. Oh, and she's kind of disappointed because she thought it was nice that he kind of something Texas. something of Texas, you know, considering the husband is a cartoon cowboy. Yes. <laughs> and they now live in New York City. Um, and uh, then the baby dies. Oh, this is so dark, this it's book. so dark. It's, and it's like there's more dark stuff in it. Yeah. So it's really sad. It and is. And you might be wondering, as was I, but what of the family Patman line? Because Indeed. we know that the Patmans, these sagas don't, um, would be dismissive of adoption. Some people, you know, <laughs> we might think, oh, well, obviously they're going to, like, they're going to adopt. That's going like, to be the next generation. I know. No yeah. way. They're obsessed with the genetic. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Continue the line or nothing. <laughs> so we cut to 1941 and it's back to old Catherine again. Mm-hmm. She and her husband, Damon Lamov, toast their daughter, Cassandra. <gasps> Because she's made, got quite a good achievement. Yeah, she's going to be a surgeon. Yeah, she's just graduated from medical school. Yeah. Uh, it turns out they had kids quite late, in case you were thinking, that's a bit of a, they've jumped two generations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it turns out not only uh, is she is she becoming a surgeon, but she's joining a, a voluntary aid detachment and she's going to go over to the uh, to the front with the British. Yeah. Because America aren't even in the war yet. Mm-hmm. So her parents are scared, but they're proud. Yeah. And uh, when she's over there, she meets a handsome American <gasps> with the name... Spencer Light. <laughs> Sounds yeah, like the name uh, of a product. It actually does. Oh my God. Spencer, Spencer Light. Spencer Light. <laughs> and she saves his legs. Uh, yeah, so he's like an injured soldier yeah. that uh, she operates on. Yeah. And they fall in love. Oh. Two years later, they get married. Yay. And she writes to her parents and says that Spencer, you know, they got married. Spencer had to go back to the front, but he's uh, he's going to come back on leave in a few months. Yeah. Then. Yeah, it's like she, she writes to her parents. She's like, oh, by the way, I got married. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some and guy. he's back again. Yes. 
I got married like um, six months ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. That is a few years later. Oh, no, it's a few months later. Mm-hmm. Cassandra prepares to greet Spencer, worried she's fat, as is Sweet Valley tradition. Yeah. But she's not fat. Uh, and she's pregnant. She's three months pregnant. <laughs> and then somebody turns up and it's Spencer's commanding officer. Oh, no. And he reveals tragic news. <gasps> Spencer was killed. In action. No. Saving a civilian. Of course. Like, you couldn't just die regularly. <laughs> that to no, be like no. saving someone. That has to be the bravest thing you could possibly do. He's a hero. <laughs> yeah. And his friend Peter Vanderhorn witnessed this and, you know, has, has got a letter for Cassandra telling her, you know, that he died a hero. Yeah. Devastated. Cassandra just says a miscarriage. Like, <gasps> there and then. Jesus Christ. Like, blood appears. Yeah, it's horrific. Fucking hell, this book is dark. It's, That's why notes. It, it, it's so dark. So much darkness and dead people and oh. people having, you know, miscarriages and Jesus. But it's like, so, and, but so much of it is unnecessary I death. Know. It's like, this didn't have to happen. You didn't have to make this so harrowing. <laughs> yeah, this is completely gratuitous. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, we cut to May 1945. Uh, and it's in New York because Cassandra was apparently able to get out of the fucking army and back to America like the on a plane the day after VE day. <laughs> okay. Like, um, you know, the war's still going on. I don't it's think like, you're... Nope, all done here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know normally there's some sort of, you know, exit procedure when mm. you're in the attached to the army and the war, uh, there's a bit of war, but no anymore. <laughs> Bye. I'm off. Um, so she's working again as a as a doctor mm-hmm. and a soldier turns up at first at the hospital and she thinks it's Spencer. Oh, but it's not. No, he's slightly younger. <gasps> his hair is brown, not blonde. Mm. And it's Peter Vanderhorn. Uh-huh. And of course, they fall in love. Of course. <laughs> but when he proposes, she runs away crying. Oh, no. And he turns up at Catherine's house and in pr- true Bruce style demands to know why did she turn him down? Because obviously it can't be that she doesn't want to marry me. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> and of course that's the case. She was told after she had the miscarriage that she couldn't have any more children and she knows Peter wants kids. Um, and she, and Catherine says, so, you know, don't push it unless you are Yeah, un- unless you're kids. okay with not having kids, basically. And yeah. good for him. He's like, well, I love her. So I'm going to propose to her and tell her that I don't care about that. Yeah. And it, uh, it's really nice. But then, of course, she has a miracle baby. <laughs> <laughs> and her mother gives her the ring to congratulate her. Yes. Oh, yeah. The silver Being ring has been working its way down the maternal line here the whole time. Yes. So we cut to California, where Reginald Rayner? Who? What's going on? Who is this guy? He's hoping to get into Harvard. Mm. His family are poor. Oh. And he works at a grocery store for a nice widower called Mr. Gonzalez. Oh, he's lovely. But he's the only dark-haired, blue-eyed child <laughs> in his blonde it's, family. Uh, it's so weird, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's, he comes home to his blonde family and finds <laughs> a letter. Saying he's got a scholarship to Harvard. The har- this, it's the future is bright. It's so bright. He sings zippity doo dah, which Ooh. is weird because I was I read this just after listening to the latest episode of uh, You Must Remember This. I actually yeah, I have to listen to that. My fa- possibly my favorite podcast, mm. uh, where they were discussing the uh, the song zippity doo dah because they're doing an amazing series on the extremely racist mm-hmm. Disney film Song of the, song the, song South. Of the South. Yeah, so it's absolutely fascinating. So uh, yes, it did. It was a. Oh, so canny <laughs> Reginald is singing this song. Uh, and he doesn't sing it for long because he gets the news that his dad has dropped out dead. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> More grimness. Oh, so man. he can't go to college anymore because oh. um, he has to fund his family. Yeah. Yeah, because there's there's a couple of kids in that family. Oh, so like, he's got a bunch of brothers and sisters. Yeah. yeah. But who should step in to help? It's Mr. Gonzalez. Oh, he's lovely. He's so nice. Yeah. He's like, 
because uh, he's a widower with with no uh, family at all mm-hmm. and he's like I don't have a family mature the nearest thing so I'm going to spend my savings I'm looking after your family and uh, I'll send you to Harvard sending him to Harvard yeah pay the rest of his scholarship Oh, so we jump four years Reginald has just graduated from Harvard he's done very well mm-hmm. and he's interviewing for a job who could this he's job be with uh, at Patman Investments again mm. where <laughs> oh there it's furious I'm so angry <laughs> we hear so much about these cans that we hear the uh, Bruce backstory book and there's no fucking cans I am it's an outrage all she wants is a bag of cans I really really do every oh, iteration of so true didn't even think of that part I wonder I'm missing them so William Batman is uh, there our old pal and he when he meets when he meets Reginald, he goes, Howdy, I'm as happy as a pig in a puddle. <laughs> but he's very charming. Oh, he's and they, they hit I it actually off, like, like him too. Yeah. And uh, Reginald reveals that even though he's not from New York City, he was born there. Mm. Mm. And he's charmed by, quote, the quirky businessman. Yeah. As am I. Me too. Yeah, I like him. Yeah. So uh, it's Thanksgiving. Reginald is now settled in working in Patman Investments. And one, uh, when Will is William is leaving the, the business, he sees Reginald is working late. Oh. So he invites him to his house for dinner because yeah. uh, he tells him, I mean, this is a bit oversharing. A little buddy. bit, yeah. He tells him that they had a baby who died and that his wife never really recovered and that, you know, it'd be nice to have a bit of life. Holidays are kind of tough going for her. Yeah, yeah because she sort of thinks what could have been. So we cut to Catherine's point of view. We learned she's never been able to stop thinking about what baby Paul would have been like. So when Re- William comes in... Oh, Helena's young, point of view, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Catherine, where? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Helena. Um, there's so many characters in this. I know, yeah, it's hard to keep track of everybody. Uh, yeah, she, she's always thought about what their son would be like. And then suddenly William turns up with this boy who looks ex- who's exactly the right age, who looks exactly mm, like a, young William. Weirdly like a young William, yeah. Mm. Uh, so a few weeks later, Reginald is like a regular visitor. Yeah, he's gotten close kind of to, to William and they he invites him around a good bit. But Helena's kind of a bit weird. She she is. <laughs> she keeps kind of firing questions at him and like he's a little bit freaked out. But he's like, oh, look, I know she's kind of going through it and had a tough time of things. But he's like, well, it's a little bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, what do you family like? Do you look like them? <laughs> oh, you don't? Interesting. Very interesting. The play cool. And then she looks up. She sort of sneaks into William's files and looks up uh, uh, Reginald in the system and realizes that his birthday is the same as Paul's. Interesting. So she rings the hospital looking for more info. Mm-hmm. A few months later, Reginald and his girlfriend May are chilling in the park. And a little bit of crossover again, they see Cassandra and Peter carved into a tree. Ooh. And they make up stories about what they imagine Cassandra and Peter are like. That's cool, which yeah. Is really cool. It's very good. It's cool. <laughs> and uh, very inaccurate stories. And he reveals the Patmans have invited them to their country estate for the weekend. Mm. And he's still a bit freaked out by Helena or Helena, but they figure like, okay, she's she had to get over something awful. So, yeah. you know, she obviously hasn't dealt with it very, uh, mm. you know, positively for her yeah like but he not, does sympathise with her like that he said look she's she's a little odd but she also had a very tough time with things yeah so I mean, he's, he's cool he's yeah. nice he is yeah but when they're all chilling by the pool in mm-hmm. their bathing suits oh dear Helena notices something uh oh she's about to offer him some iced tea and she's like 
the silver pitcher slipped out of her hand, clanging <gasps> against the imported patio tile. Oh, of course. <laughs> and it all goes smashing everywhere. And she's like, the birthmark, it's <gasps> shaped like the state of Texas. Because oh. now that Reginald's like stripped off to go swimming, it's yeah. like, oh shit, birthmark. Yeah. And it's like, he is my son. Oh God. And uh, then, this is the thing, like, it's, I mean, it would obviously be weird if she just said, you're my son. Yeah. But you can make a case. Accidents in hospitals happen, which they do. They do. But she bizarrely accuses oh. Reginald's parents, Henry and Celia, of stealing the baby because they thought saw that their baby was sickly. Jesus Christ. Very. It's completely the wrong way to handle this. Like, yeah. she does it completely arse ways. It's also very, it's a random thing to jump to straight away. Oh, completely, yeah. Like, yeah. blame the hospital. Yeah. Don't blame the other two unfortunates. And understandably, <laughs> Reginald is enraged. He's, oh, yeah, he's fuming because he's like, what are you accusing my mother of? Like, how dare you? Yeah, this is horrible. Like, you're yeah. accusing my parents of being baby thieves. Yeah. Uh, so he, he leaves and he leaves his job because you sort of have to. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of an awkward situation. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a few weeks later. He still doesn't have a job and he's been ignoring all the letters and calls that have been constantly coming from Helena and William. Mm-hmm. But May is like, look, you know, maybe like you, you, it is weird that you look exactly like. Yeah, maybe there's something to this. And the this, birthmark like, thing, like. Yeah. Uh, so a few weeks later, because she's done some detective work, she takes him to Brooklyn. She does. Where they meet a retired nurse. <gasps> uh oh. She's got a story to tell. Who could she be? <laughs> what is this story, Karen? So yeah, it turns out Mrs. Umbriano. She mm. was a nurse and working that night in New York Hospital, and the two babies that were born they were like ten minutes apart, and she yeah. was she giving, giving them, them a, bath. a bath, and they had they were so small that the little bracelets they had for their names fell off. Yeah, snipped off their little pudgy. She did, or non-pudgy oh, yeah. <laughs> That's Good the point. issue. But a pudge would have saved all this. Oh, true. But um, yeah, so she wasn't sure which one was which and she was really tired and didn't want to kind of ask her supervisor in case she got fired. Um, so she just kind of guessed at which baby was ah. which. So the babies got swapped. Oh. <laughs> uh, baby Reginald. Reginald. <laughs> <laughs> so Reginald forgives her and says rightly... Um, you know, the, the Rainers are his parents. Yes. Uh, so it doesn't really change anything. But May's like, well, you've got the connection with the Patmans too. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like, yeah, I guess I, I mean, I do. I've got to, and I've also got to tell them that they are right. So they don't think they're going mad. Yeah. And so he does. And then he, I mean, I don't know about this. Um, they, so they make up, which is cool. Yeah. But then he decides he's going to change his surname to Patman. Mm, yeah. Like, what do his parents think about that? That would be weird. It would. Yeah. It also kind of glosses over the fact that his parents had a, kid that they didn't know died as yeah. well like it just, that just doesn't come up then and it's no. like that's quite a blow like a yeah. weird psychological thing to deal with well, as well for his family as well. and well, his dad's dead yeah yeah they kind of skip over all that yeah we don't really hear what the poor old Rainers think um, mm. but he says oh I've got a brother who'll carry on the family name so I'll just call myself Patman so he's yeah, like he's, Roger so he's Reginald we'll just call themselves Patman <gasps> Reginald Rainier Patman yeah Reg Rog another secret baby <laughs> But it is the family. <laughs> um, so, yeah, him and uh, May get engaged, and include a few years later, they have a baby. <laughs> they do. May's delighted as well about all this. Oh, yeah, she's very funny. Like, you know what? Good for you, May. Yeah. You got Why your not? money. <laughs> um, and their baby is called after Reginald's dad, Henry, aka <laughs> Hank. <laughs> it's Hank Patman. It is. Supposedly. Of Hank of Patman Investments. Mm-hmm. Where are the cans? 
I'm going to actually tip this table over with rage. <laughs> so we cut to 18 years later where our old pal Cassandra is checking in on her daughter Marie mm-hmm. Vanderhorn who laments her fatness. Fucking hell. God, no wonder everyone in Sweet Valley's way it is. By the way, Marie is quite sympathetic in this and we know that she turns into a massive bitch. Like she's a stone gold bitch in the she's books later monstrous. on. And it's like, obviously they had to humanise her a bit for this because yeah. otherwise we weren't going to give a shit about she's her gonna, being sick. I don't know. She's like, yeah, Die. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't die, don't we? So something happens because she is horrible to Roger, like in the actual scene. And, and um, Olivia. And Olivia, yeah, she's awful. Like, she was, oh, she was really terrible. She's like a dynasty villain or something. I know, I mean, she's very entertaining, but she's oh, a yeah. monster. But she's a terrible person. Yeah. So it turns out that she's been feeling a bit sick lately and Cassandra urges her to rest, but she has to study because uh, she's it's prom night. Yes. And even though she has already been accepted into Wellesley, she's uh, she has to graduate from high school mm-hmm. and she's meeting Henry Patman, mm-hmm. her boyfriend, who apparently she is already engaged to. Mm, They're like 18. That's, yeah. Very early. So on the dance floor, she's literally grooving <laughs> to James Taylor Ooh. with Hank. And as in true exposition style, they recall their first date. They did not go to uh, fried clam jam restaurant. Oh, Remember how, that's where Hank went Yes, to like vividly. <laughs> <laughs> it's all come screaming back. Sorry, Karen. <laughs> Um, and uh, she's a bit dizzy and Hank notices she's got bruises on her arm she's like oh I know I'm just a bit clutty and yeah he's like well let's sit down but she you know the music is it's Jimi Hendrix he's too funky (laughs) but actually this is quite consistent with him in the Wakefield Henry is a big square he is a square yeah big preppy square yeah and uh, yeah, they're not going to get married until after college, we're told. I just hope so. Yes. He's going to Harvard and she's just going up the road. And uh, well, see. And um, then she faints. Uh-oh. She has a nosebleed. Oh, dear. And she's rushed to hospital. Yeah. So Cassandra insists on having tests done. And uh, then a few days later, Henry visits and she's like, oh, no, it's fine. Um, I'm just anemic. And I know you're thinking of cancelling this road trip you're going on with your brother, Paul, a.k.a. Dad of Old Hmm, Yes. And uh, so don't, you know, it's fine. You go, I'm grand. Yeah, because he's heading out west for the summer, really, isn't he? Yeah, this road trip. Like, they're driving around all over the place. They're driving to California, basically. Mm -hmm. And they say goodbye, and she gives him the family, follow your dreams ring. And he gives her a locket. (gasps) Could it be the locket that once belonged to her? Oh, no, actually... It isn't the one that belonged to her ancestors because didn't Henry lose that at a pawn it's, shop? Yeah, but no, yeah, no, it is the locket though because they say um, it's like the golden diamond locket that they, that someone got in an estate sale in his oh, family. So it's definitely, oh yeah, it's no, it's, it's, it's the, the locket. It's back, in, it's back in the mix. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. Magical thinking and magical lockets. Yeah. Um, so they bid a fond farewell, but after he's gone, Marie breaks down. Oh no. Because it isn't just anemia. No, she's actually got leukemia. And she can't let, she's deter- sure she's going to die, even though Cassandra keeps saying, it's cu- you know, you can be cured. Yeah, but it's a little doesn't... bit um, Regina Bruce kind of, isn't it? Like oh. keeping stuff from him so he'll go live I'm his life or whatever. Yeah. Or no, career. sorry, Trisha and Stephen. Stephen. Yes. yes. I'm sparing you the pain of watching me die, so I'll just dump you. So I'll just break up with you. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really work. No. So cut to Henry. He's on the road. Mm -hmm. He's in Denver with Paul and he's writing to Marie. And uh, 
Paul, we're told, is mod, but just in the American sense, not in the like Northern Soul dancing, you know, mopeds and uh, mopeds and parkas yeah. sense. <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Oh, you're right to the old ball and chain. Go out and meet some groovy chicks." Oh yeah, but uh, what is it? He they say that they're going to be staying in California for a while. Oh yeah. yeah, when he's writing to Marie, he tells her, "I must have told you, my parents bought a lot of land and a canning factory." In a small town what? near LA. How did I miss? Canning factory. Oh, <laughs> my God. I must have skimmed his boring letter because our letters are always so tedious. Now you see. Oh, you God missed it. it. You missed it. I, feel, I take it all back. Except I don't because we used to be told that their fortune came from the canning factory. True. And clearly it's just a It's oil money. Investment after their oil money and yeah. investing firm. <laughs> there, there you go. You think you'd be happy but look at you. You're fuming. <laughs> Sour, a sour puss on me. Um, <laughs> vindication for the canning factory. <laughs> sort of. It's a it's a recent acquisition. I don't know. It is. Counting this. So, um, so uh, Hank is like he's a one woman guy. He doesn't want to go out and meet some chicks. But then Paul gives um, him a letter that's arrived. He was obviously collected from the post. You know, they're sending letters to post offices. It's from Marie. Oh. It's bad news. Oh, no. She's breaking up with him. Yeah, she just decided it would be best if we broke off our engagement. Yeah. And he's like, what the fuck? And he tries to ring her, but her dad takes the call. She's like, no, she can't talk to you. Yeah. And we cut to the hospital. The reason she can't talk to him is because she's having radiation treatment. She's not well. Yeah, she's going through chemo and it's rough. Yeah. And her parents urge her to be honest with Hank. And she's like, no, I can't make him put up with this. Her mother is like, look, you're going to be fine. Yeah. She says, no, but I know it. I know I'm not. And she's wrong. Her mother is right. And her mother's a doctor. So <laughs> she shouldn't listen to her, really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, meanwhile, Paul is all like, oh, man, you were down here. Like, come to California with me. Love the one you're with. <laughs> uh, but uh, then they arrive at the College of Southern California, soon to be SVU. Now, it had been Sweet Valley College for a long time. And I think they changed it to SVU because this book came out at the time when they were launching the SVU series. Oh. So they were like, oh shit, we used to call it Sweet Valley College or whatever, so yeah. I guess we better call it Sweet Valley University now. <laughs> Job done. <laughs> and uh, Paul is like singing California Girls at him and Hank is like, oh, yeah, whatever. But then he catches the eye of a beautiful blonde. <gasps> it's Alice. It's a tall blonde Alice. Of course it is. And uh, even though he's... He's charmed by her. His heart still belongs to Marie. Even when Paul mentions that their parents are somehow moving to California. My notes say, because I really skimmed that letter. Where was the canning factory? <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> it was right there all along. The right. canning factory was inside us all along. <laughs> <laughs> That's the true lesson we've learned. <laughs> so he rings Marie and was just like, okay, look, I'm, you know, this is crazy. And she's like, I don't love you anymore. So he's, okay, I'm going to stay in California and go oh. to college at SVU rather than Harvard. Really? Yeah, sure. Okay. But yeah, she's white-fanging him. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. Go, I'm throwing things at him. I don't love you. Go to your people. In the cans. <laughs> Good to three years later, Marie's in Bosnia, she's grand. And we turned out she wrote to Hank many times, but she never sent the letters. Yeah. And she's thinking of finally telling him the truth. She's a psychology student, so maybe she's learned a few lessons. But then her brother says, Oh, yeah, I just heard about Hank. He's dating a girl called Alice in Sweet Valley. And they were engaged. They're engaged, yeah. So uh, Marie is heartbroken, but it's like, okay, fair enough. 
So cut to the wedding day, as seen in the Wakefield saga. Mm-hmm. There's another brother, by the way, called Reggie Jr. Where did he come from? Fuck no. He's never been mentioned. <laughs> so Paul teases Hank for his hippie ways, which we remember he's just putting on. Yes. To impress Alice. It's all an act. Paul is, is like, oh, see, you've finally become cool. And he's like, mm, well, have I? Mm-hmm. Um, and it uh, turns out that their dad wants Hank to take over Patman Investments when it moves to California. And fair enough. And turns into a canning factory. Yeah, yeah. It's better because whatever about the canning factory has been mentioned in a single line. <laughs> there is no Patman Investments in California in no, the books. there isn't. So I, I stand by my rage. <laughs> stand by your rage, although the cans are breaking. <laughs> So he thinks of Marie, even though he's ready to marry Alice. Yeah. Um, and then Alice's sister turns up and is like, uh, oh, she needs to talk to you. Yeah, awkward. Uh, the wedding's off. <laughs> and we might remember this from the Wakefield saga. Yes, we all got this from kind of Alice and Ned's point of view the last time. Yeah. So a year later, Marie is in LA. She's working on a psychology journal and she bumps into Hank. <gasps> Completely randomly, yeah. Of course. And she congratulates him on his marriage, but he's like, oh yeah, that didn't actually happen. Yeah. And then her bus arrives and uh, she just gets on it and you think, could that be it? <laughs> of course it's not. No. She can't get him out of her head. She talks to her cat. This is very, it's, a cute it's very endearing. And it's yeah. like, where is this girl? Because she did not bring any of this energy into her marriage. Exactly. <laughs> she like had a personality transplant. Yeah. Maybe it was Bruce. Maybe. They were giving birth to Bruce. Bruce just sister. fucking broke everything <laughs> and turned her into a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> a monster. Yeah. So she decides she's going to look him up in the phone book and uh, they they meet up and Hank sings along to Linda Ronstadt on yeah. a Lynn Henry as he <laughs> travels to meet her. And they meet up. And Marie gives him her letters and reveals all. And then she shows she's still wearing the locket he gave her. <gasps> and he has the ring on a chain around his neck. Oh my God. Hurrah! Heirlooms aplenty. Exactly. <laughs> and then we cut to them gazing at a baby. <laughs> but what do they call him? She ought to call him Damien. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they're trying, they can't figure out the name. We know that Reggie's baby is going to be called Reginald Jr., but they're going to call him Shred. Shred, where is this kid called Shred? <laughs> I was wondering, actually, afterwards, is there, I wonder, is there one of the later books that we haven't read? Maybe. Does Bruce have some cousin that turns up called Shred? Shred, I really hope so. <laughs> oh my is, God, I have high hopes for Shred. I know, my fingers are crossed. <laughs> Bring on Shred. If any listeners remember Shred. <laughs> Please remind us, because I do not remember a kid called also, Shred. Otherwise, this is the weirdest random thing that you yeah. suddenly put in another yeah. brother. <laughs> This baby. Who? <laughs> a baby called Shred. Fantastic. Anyway, they decide that one name and one name only will do. Mm. What could that name be? Oh, it's Bruce. It is. It's the perfect name. Apparently. And we're told the world, they're like, welcome baby Bruce. The world will never be the same again. God. <laughs> Certainly wrote. Oh, fucking Bruce. And that... Oh my goodness. Was the Patmans. That was oh, sweet a wild ride through history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a tragedy, real tragedy. We're sorry about that. With some Irish character. Oh my God. <laughs> and some dialect. It had a um, <sighs> distinct lack of cans. Mm. I'm standing by that. <laughs> One sentence. Not enough. But I didn't even notice. Yeah. 
when we're that's what you get for glossing over letters, Anna. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the same old, same old. I just think that they have books and books saying that Lila and Bruce are at odds because her fa- his family is from the old canning fortune. Yeah. It's not the same. No. It's, not, it's not even oil. They keep going about the oil. <laughs> anyway, to distract me from my monomania on the subject of cans, can you share any stats and outfits? Can I? Please oh, <laughs> say you can. Of course I can. Oh. Um, so Henry, uh, the first Henry, yeah. the one while he was blonde and not a massive racist, mm-hmm. his blue eyes got mentioned eight times. Fucking hell, that was like in 20 pages. was a lot because that was only a short bit. Of the Very story. short. Oh and God, then less um, than 20 pages, I'd say. Yeah, and then and Alice, who like is extremely briefly in this, her blondness is mentioned nine times. <laughs> it was ridiculous. What? She barely says she, anything. She ha- hardly says a word in it. And it's like the blonde he saw, her blonde ponytail. I'll take the blonde. And what? it's just like blonde, 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 blonde. It's crazy. That is absolutely mental. <laughs> There's literally about two pages with Alice in them very briefly. And her blondness is nine times over there. Oh my God. <laughs> Successful. That is, well, they like to surprise us. I mean, usually like they surprise us with not enough. But like, that's more often than either of the twins' blondness has been mentioned in True. any regular book. Yeah, I mean, we like, go down to six, like very low figures, like yeah. one. Oh, yeah. Well, Alice is flying the flag. Yeah, I suppose we'll have to balance it out a bit. Uh, any outfits? We have some historical outfits. Oh, yes, please. So, uh, so when Sophie is dressing for dinner, this is back along in the uh, 18 something or others, oh, yes. as the, uh, the daughter of a <laughs> duke or whatever she was. Uh, she is putting on a rose-coloured gown and uh, it's got puffed sleeves which are apparently the newest thing Ooh. I guess and it's got a long row of pearl it. buttons down the back of the bodice yeah, so it's kind of yeah it's, it's fancy. The 1820s was a bad time for fashion actually mm. it's kind of halfway between the nice big Victorian stuff and yeah. the it's kind of hideous. it's kind of a mid kind of yeah, yeah. but uh, then Samantha Ooh. who's the rootin' tootin' cow girl she certainly is she gets like married Jessie from Toy Story <laughs> she, she is Jessie from Toy Story oh my god <laughs> so uh, when her and John get married in the Adobe Church, of course. Oh, cool. She wears um, a white blouse with colourful embroidery, a new white Stetson, oh, and a full yes. cotton skirt that looked Mexican over white boots. Oh, yes. Like, yes. A queen. Living the Dolly Parton dream. Oh, I love her. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Bruce has so many cool ancestors. I find it very hard to believe they all produce Bruce. I know. Really? It's like this does not add up, lads. Anything else? Uh, then Helena, because she's like a 1920s flapper girl, Ooh, yes. has a straight cut dress of beaded netting. Of course. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end. Oh, yeah. Paul, who's the, um, oh, the yeah, mod. The, <laughs> brother. This is not what a mod on this side of the Atlantic no. would wear. So he's got uh, hip hugger jeans and a colourful polyester shirt. Where's his Fred Perry? His mm. desert fruits. Nope. And he's got like a shaggy haircut, oh, kind of, of and long hair. So. Oh, like square old Hank. Indeed. And uh, Alice's sister, Nancy, is wearing a bridesmaid's gown uh, made of pink stuff that reminded him of cotton candy. Ooh, <laughs> Which is kind of, uh, makes me think of Rachel's dress in Friends when she's a bridesmaid. <gasps> yes. At um, Barry and Mindy's wedding. Wow. That's where my head went. That is where my head went. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, this is like meant to be the early six. Oh yeah, it's the seventies. I think. Yeah, yeah. My mother got married in nineteen seventy-one. Well, my parents got married in nineteen seventy-one, and my mother's bridesmaids had cool, like lavender A-line mini dresses. Yeah, I feel like seventies wedding dresses were, were much cooler than that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it is sweet Valley. So yeah, true. Know what we're expecting. Yeah. So uh, that was <sighs> the patterns of Sweet Valley, and it was a wild ride. It was great crack. It really was. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it was quite dark in places. It was very dark, but so it was also a lot that. of fun in other places. It was very. It was drama. 
A lot of drama. Which is more than we have had in the last few months. I'll tell you. <laughs> and more than I suspect we are going to have in the next one. Oh. So, uh, I mean, share your feelings on it. Mm. Are you surprised that Bruce has decent ancestors? Because I was. <laughs> both were. Do you share my rage at the lack of cans? <laughs> or is it just enough cans? <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. Let us know what you think. We are, of course, at SVH Podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com. We love getting emails. And we are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network and you can follow us at uh, HS Pod Network or This Headstuff. And we will see you in two weeks where I really is going from the sublime to the ridiculous again. Well, it might not be two weeks because it'll be sometime in January. Oh, that's true. Let's not tie ourselves. That is true because you won't be going into the studio over Christmas. So you might have to wait a little bit longer, but maybe you could, I don't know, write some fan fiction. Oh. Find us some foreign editions. Wouldn't be mad at that. No. Uh, You can amuse yourselves. Yeah. You know, just to imagine how uh, uh, some rootin' tootin' dialect. (laughs) More RTC. Oh, yeah. Well, that's our, I mean, we'll we'll look for that in future. We will. I mean, I don't know if we haven't had it before. No. I'm surprised. But, um, I enjoyed it immensely. We'll be back at some stage in the near future. (laughs) We've all recovered from Christmas and New Year's and what have you. And the drama of the patterns of Sweet Valley. And I mean, don't get your hopes up too much because we will be finding out what happens when... (laughs) Kristen, what is even her surname? Thompson, Oh yeah, you're right, it is. Tennis girl. Tennis girl (laughs) has a second Second chance. chance. See you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Happy Christmas and things. Bye. (laughs) This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Want a great way to recognize your employees? Check out Custom Inc. Have you ever thought about doing something special for your customers? Custom Inc. can do that too. And wouldn't your team love some custom gear? Custom Inc. is ready. Custom Inc. is your go-to custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. Plus, everything is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Check out what we can do for your business at custominc.com.